You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Pirates Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, November 17th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI. Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Recently, I wrote about the Padres' situation, their pitching situation, in a more broad sort of context, just viewing it. What DEFCON do I have them at for starting pitchers? Go check that out at Just Baseball, guys. Or listen to the podcast yesterday that I did where I talked about it, uh, and I talked about Luis Castillo. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter, which is at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at LO underscore Padres, which is the Twitter account for the show. Uh, if you see me pointing right now, that means you're watching the YouTube. If you're not watching the YouTube, check that out. Locked on Padres on YouTube to see my ugly mug and my newly, newly shaved self. You know, getting a haircut's really fun sometimes, especially when you've had long hair for a while. But anyway, guys, on today's show, before we, actually, before I say that, thank you for listening to today's show. Thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And for today's show, we are breaking down part three, part three, crazy, part three of my free agency breakdown, uh, doing the top 50 available free agents, according to Keith Law's top 50 article over on The Athletic, and giving my take on whether or not these are guys that the Padres should be interested in, whether or not you should be interested in them, whether or not anyone should be interested in them, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some really interesting ones today. I, I will say, I know that we got through a lot of the big names. You got through your Starling Martes and your Carlos Correa, who made the news the other day because I guess Carlos Correa is extremely online and just knows that baseball Twitter is obsessed with slandering Derek Jeter for seemingly no reason. It's hilarious because I actually don't see a lot of the slander coming from Red Sox fans usually. It's people who are like, Cal Ripken was better. It's like, Wow. Awesome, and LeBron is better than Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that. Like, what point are you trying to prove? Yeah, there are stars that weren't as good as other stars. I, I don't know. That's just the whole, the Orioles fans are out of control with the Cal Ripken thing. Um, but it's just, I just, I hate that. I mean, maybe we'll talk about that in the future, the Derek Jeter slander, because I'm bored, uh, to be perfectly honest. And you know what? Uh, I think it'd make for a fun bonus episode. But for now, guys, let us talk. Let us talk about the free agencies. Uh, if you haven't missed... Uh, if you have missed a previous episode and you missed uh, numbers 1 through 20, feel free to go check those out on the YouTube or the podcast audio feed where we talked about Scherzer and all these guys and gave my kind of take. Let's get into number 21 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season. A player I am mighty interested in, and I think a lot of people are too, it is Michael Conforto. He had a 2021 war of only 0.9, which isn't great, and he's a career war of 15.7. And here's the thing, as Keith Law writes, Conforto hits the market after his worst season as a big leaguer, the first time he failed to reach to war since 2016, and he might be a candidate for a one-year pillow contract where he goes somewhere with a guarantee of playing time to try to re-enter a less crowded free agent market next winter off a better performance. And I agree. Now, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. If you just look at Conforto's numbers, his slash line numbers over the past few years, okay? In 2020, granted, in a smaller season, he hit 322 with a 412 on base, 515 slugging. Year before that, 257 batting average, 363 on base, 494 slugging. Year before that, 243 batting average, 350 on base, 448 slugging. Year before that, 279, 384 on base, and 555 slugging. Fun fact, that was the year that I had him in fantasy baseball. He managed to hit 27 home runs as well that year. Um, He's got power. He hit 33 bombs in 2019, and he's 29. He's 29 years old. He's not that old. And a lot of people think, look, he got unlucky this year. You know what I'm saying? He had a career-high pull rate, which was... Actually, that might be a sign that maybe that isn't great, especially with the shift these days uh, in, in modern-day baseball. That's a whole other debate entirely. But he got a little bit unlucky in terms of the fact that his strikeout rate was down, actually, this year, considering that he's never been a high batting average guy. He actually struck out less this year, which was which was very interesting. Um, and, you know, I think that when it comes to defense, he's okay. But most importantly, he's just a solid outfielder when it comes to power numbers and whatnot. Um, from 2017 through 2020, he has a 133 WRC plus, which is quite quite good. And he has a he just has a really good history. So he might be unlucky. And combine all that with all the other things. He had COVID 19 early on in the season. He had this hamstring injury uh, for a little bit. You know, we always talk about how Cody Bellinger probably had a little bit of an injury unlock. Now, granted, I think they have is a little bit different than a shoulder injury, so I don't want to compare them directly, but in the sense of if we're going to let one guy off and say, yeah, I think he's better than what he's been doing this year, then I think Michael Conforto to an extent, and by the way, it's not like he was atrocious this year and from a batting perspective. I mean, he still hit like with a solid on-base percentage and all that stuff, um, so I, I really think that this is a guy that the Padres should be interested in. He is a great, great slugger. He's a great hitter, and that's what the Padres need. They need great hitters who aren't going to kill you in the outfield, at least defensively. If you just look at, like, defensive war, he's been pretty, what's the word here, uh, meh. But he hasn't been exactly killing you. This isn't Nick Castellanos, which is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of the Padres going after him necessarily. I don't want another minus defender. And I don't think Conforto is a plus defender, but he's certainly not a minus. And take into account, everyone on the damn Mets this year was terrible. Uh, it just, like, maybe getting out of that situation will do wonders for him. You saw what happened with Daniel Murphy that one year. You know what I mean? He went to the Washington Nationals and was, like, an MVP contender. So maybe this is a guy who genuinely just had a bad year. And if he's only going for the one-year contract, I'd be even more interested in the Padres going after him because it means I don't care what they owe him this year. I just don't care. One-year contracts, there's no thing as such thing as too much for a one-year contract, especially with all these billionaires, uh, team owners and whatnot. So I think he's one of the trade uh, free agent acquisitions that the Padres should be looking into. I wonder what you guys think. I wonder what you guys think. I know he had a down season, and I know the pull rate may concern people, but I just think that there's a really nice history here of him being an above-average power hitter, and he did it for multiple seasons. This isn't like an Adam Frazier thing where it just he did a one. In 2020, he was good, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? No, he was actually been good before this. But anyway, I would love to hear what you guys think. Now, moving on to 22 on the list, a guy who you never thought years ago would be ranking anywhere low, anywhere outside the top five in any list whatsoever when it comes to judging modern day uh, current MLB rosters. It is left-handed pitcher of the Los Angeles Villainous Dodgers, Mr. Clayton Kershaw, age 34. He had a 2021 war of 2.4 and has a career war of 71.9. Future Hall of Famer. Here's the thing, man. Can we just be brief about this? 
I think he's going back to the Dodgers. I just don't see it. Now, I know that we have the qualifying. I should also mention today, by the time you're watching this, uh, there's like a deadline for accepting qualifying offers. So we'll have to see. Uh, among them, Brandon Belt being another one. We'll see if he accepts the qualifying offer or not. That should be very interesting to follow. I think he might, just because he is 34. And in the case of Clayton Kershaw... He's still a good pitcher. Just because he's not invincible anymore doesn't mean he's not a good pitcher. I mean, don't get me wrong, his 121 and thirds innings marked the lowest uh, for any full season since 2008. Um, he's still worth above two wars, above two wins, above replacement. He was still very solid. Um, he has never allowed a 300 BABIP in any season other than his rookie year. And the 289 BABIP he allowed in 2021, while the highest of his career since then, uh, was still well below the league average. He hasn't reinvented himself so much as relied on different strengths. He's had injury concerns, don't get me wrong, but I just, God damn it, I would I would want Clayton Kershaw. The guy's really good. I don't know what to tell you. If you're willing to make, I mean, there are a lot of teams out there that are going to take a bet on Clayton Kershaw are going to say, you know what, I'd rather pay this guy less at age 34 than Robbie Ray, who almost inexplicably, almost inexplicably just became a beast uh, this past season with that Cy Young potentially uh, looming and becoming something that he will earn. But that's just me. I think that Kershaw is going back to the Dodgers. I don't find this a big thing. And I imagine you guys listening to this are getting triggered already, Padres fans. Uh, but I, I don't see it. I think that he's staying there. He's a Dodger for life. It would feel very weird if he's not on the Dodgers. It would be very Jordan on the Wizards-esque to be honest with you, uh, it would be in that kind of stratosphere. So, well, don't get me wrong. If I saw tomorrow that the Padres offered this guy a contract, I'd be like, whoa. Like, that would be genuinely, genuinely shocking. But in my opinion, great ad. He's worth it, especially for teams that are contenders. Maybe not rebuilding teams, but for teams that are contenders and already have a couple pieces in place. He is well worth the injury risk because when he's healthy, he's an absolute beast. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if we're going to be all in on Carlos Rodon, Heading into free agency this offseason, then you got to be all in on Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer, and a guy that, while I don't like the Dodgers, I hate them, I still, like, not that I root for him, but it's like, I always feel bad for guys who are objectively the most talented at their position, or above some of the most talented all-time, that just can't seem to get it done in the playoffs. I always feel bad for players like that. In baseball, there isn't as much of an excuse, and in base, at basketball and football, I'm always like, yeah, okay, guys, let's keep pretending that, like, you know. Tom Brady by himself has been able to win seven Super Bowls. That's not how it works. He's never made. He's never been to a Super Bowl and like won a Super Bowl when his defense was not in the top ten. Fun fact. Go check that out. Um, but let's move on now, guys, to twenty three. A really quick one before we get into the break because I've been talking a lot. I talked a whole lot about Code Forda already. So let me move on to number twenty three on Keith Law's top fifty free agents heading into the twenty twenty two season. A guy that really isn't all that interesting. He's not going to change a lot. A lot of his numbers and his value is the fact that he plays a position that is really shallow, and that is Mike Zanino, catcher, age thirty one in twenty twenty one had a war of 3.7, which is quite good, and has a career war of 10.6, which makes it a little bit like, oh, is this guy just breaking out now? Well, here's the thing. Mike Zunino is an elite, elite pitch framer. Uh, when you look at, you know, uh, just the kind of statistics Keith Law writes here, um, he gets an additional eight runs of value from framing. In just 109 games, uh, by those metrics, the most valuable catcher in the American League and only behind Buster Posey among all MLB catchers. However, there is a drawback. This is a guy that is a good example of like wins above replacement, maybe not always telling you the full story because he is an extreme power bat. He is, do you guys remember like Chris Carter when he came into the league for a little bit? You remember guys like, you know, uh, um, Chris Davis, uh, I, I should say. Like, there are 
he's an extreme power guy. He does not walk a lot. And the issue is that when you look in 2019 and 2020, he hit a combined 161, 233, 323 with 13 homers and 373 plate appearances. There's a lot of risk here if he can't get his on-base percentage to at least a level that's respectable and it will drown out, as Keith Law writes, all of defensive value. I actually think that Mike Zunino would have been an interesting target for the Padres uh, in another world because the Padres are really desperate for power bats right now and they'd say, you know what, screw it. Let's get a really plus power bat and a guy who you know is going to give you great defense behind the plate which the frame with the framing metrics as long as we don't have robot umps and stuff right so i think that that would have been a target but i think the padres right now they're like you know what Let's just live with Austin Nola. Even if he's been a health risk, he's a solid pitch framer. He throws out runners at a decent uh, clip. He's not a bad defensive catcher. He's done well with um, most pitchers behind the plate. I think you've seen some guys improve when he's catching for them. And he's just okay. He's an okay catcher. They also have Victor Caratini, who just can't hit worth a lick, but whatever. He's the backup catcher. That's fine. I think that they're going to stick with that situation with uh, Luis Campizano still in the fold uh, waiting to debut. I think they're fine with that. There's no reason to give a guy like Zunino. Again, I think he's going to go to a team. Um, I think he's going to be an interesting add, but there is low risk that he does what he did in 2019 and 2020 where I don't really care about his defense when the numbers are just he's absolutely killing you at the plate even if it is a shallow position. But before we move on, guys, and talk about more free agents, I already have been talking a lot. This might be a long episode. Who knows? This is just what happens sometimes, guys. I just need to tell you, I love Thanksgiving. Damn it. How many times do I have to say this? I love Thanksgiving. It's so good. All the good food and treats and plenty of them. I like, I don't know about you guys, I don't have a favorite Thanksgiving food. That's not true. I do. My favorite Thanksgiving food is when you just throw a bunch of stuff on your plate. You mix it together. You got the sweet potato. You got the the turkey. You got the the stuffing. You got the cranberry. You got the lettuce. You got the, maybe not the lettuce, but the broccoli, the carrots. And you mush them all together and you just have a glop. That's what I love. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, Except for the pies and stuff like that. But speaking of pies, guys... I have something that can replace those very fattening pies and whatnot. The new holiday dessert that is Built Bar. Took me a while to get into the point, guys. Uh, uh, Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars, however, are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So forget the coconut cream pie. Try the coconut Built Bar or the raspberry pie and try the raspberry Built Bar. Bar, low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. And seriously, guys, these things taste delicious. I've been talking about them since the beginning I've been doing this podcast. I love them. I want to order them right now. Cherry Barcia, for example, my mom's favorite flavor. It's so good. Coconut brownie chunk. Ah! Ah, it's so damn good, guys. So what are you waiting for? Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Wow, we. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let's keep going, guys. Let's keep going. Uh, before we just say that, though, again, let me reiterate, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's move on to a pitcher that a lot of people probably didn't see coming, but they probably should have saw it coming that he was going to be better than he was the previous year. That is uh, number 24 on the list of Keith Law's top 50 free agents. Right-handed pitcher Anthony Desclafani, age 32, in 2021, he had a war of 3.9, a career war of 10.1. Here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. Um, he's had trouble with lefties before, as Keith Law writes, as most sinker, slider, or four-seam slider guys do if they don't have an average changeup. In 2021, he threw the changeup more and got more tumble to the pitch, leading to his best line against lefties yet, even with... Some likely regression here given the small sample. He's a solid mid-rotation starter, especially now that he seems to be completely back from elbow and other injuries that wrecked his 2017-2018 seasons. Um, here's the thing. He's 32 years old, so it's not like he's necessarily due for a giant, giant spanking contract, but he was very solid. If we're going to praise the Giants, this is why. They figured out his mechanics. They said, let's figure out this changeup stuff. Let's figure out the fact that you can't always hit against the platoon against the right guys, I guess you could say. But... Um, and they figured that out. Now, I said this with Brandon Belt. I said this with a couple other guys. I said this with Kevin Gosman where maybe there's a little bit of a risk with Giants free agents because you might be wondering, uh, especially with bats, I'd say, especially with the offensive players, like, was, are they a product of just the fact that San Francisco just needs, seems to have the secret sauce over there? That could be fair. But that also, the counter to that is, well, whatever. They figured him out, so now they just... You know, either he's going to go off into greater pastures or what have you. So, Disclafani, I think, is a very interesting arm. My question, though, is how much is he going to cost? Maybe 15 to 20 million per year. Not on a big contract, but I don't know exactly what the Padres want to shell out for him. They're definitely not going to shell out, at least in my opinion, for some of those other big guys. Uh, so, Disclafani, certainly in terms of value, is there. And I like the guy. I think he had some really good games. He had some good games against the Padres this year. Um, and I just think that, like, all the Giants starters are so underrated. They just took a flyer on a guy who had like a 7 ERA the year before. And they were like, all right, we don't think he's that bad. Let's see if we can refine his mechanics. And they did. So Disclafani, definitely a guy I would look into. Uh, I just don't know necessarily if he's someone that the Padres will be looking into. It's, it's very difficult. I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a competitive market for him, if we're being honest. But... Definitely worth looking into, as I mentioned in my article. The Padres don't need to go after a superstar ace. They just need some back end of the rotation help, at least in my opinion, guys. So that is Anthony Discofani. Very interesting free agent. Very curious to see where he goes. Again, I'm not just saying this, by the way, to like say, oh, I'm very interested. Very... I really am. This is a deep free agent class. As they mentioned with, as Keith Law mentioned with Michael Conforto, Michael Conforto is a top 10 guy, like after 2020. Uh, like for sure, like if he had free agency last year, he was a top 10 free agent. You know what I'm saying? Like if he did, because he had a good season too, he's a top 10 free agent. Now he's at 21, which is low for him. You know what I'm saying? So it's a really deep class, but let's move on guys. Get even more into that deeper class. Next up, a guy that I've been talking about for a while, who might be a sign of me not knowing anything about baseball. We'll get to that in a second. Avisail Garcia, outfielder, age 31. In 2021, he had a war of 2.9 with a career war of 10.9. Here's the thing. As Keith Law writes, uh, he's been one of the leaders in maximum exit velocity for a while, topping 115 every year. Um... And since basically, aside from pandemic ball, uh, basically, however, he would pull put the ball on the ground, he writes, too often, a function of his swing, but also his poor pitch selection to convert that into enough value to make him a regular between his year in Tampa Bay in 2019. And this past full season in Milwaukee, he had driven the ball a little bit more, but because he hits the ball so hard, a few more line drives and fly balls add up to a few more doubles and home runs. He finished with a bunch this year, 29 to be exact. Um, here's the thing. He's also matched lefties for most of his career with OBPs against Southpaws over 400 since he arrived in Milwaukee for 2020. So that's good. If they want to have a guy that they can mash, do a little bit of platoon setup, that is very good. And also, I don't think this guy's going to cost that much. I think a lot of people just weren't paying attention to the Brewers in general. And when it comes to defense, this is what's so interesting about him. Um, according to um, Baseball Savant and all that stuff, he had a mi minus and outs above average, about minus two in right field and whatnot. 
But then if you look on Fangraphs, he had eight defensive runs saved, which is right where Trent Grisham was, who everyone agrees was at least a solid defender. So there's probably some middle ground here where we're like, he's not an elite defender. This isn't Tyler O'Neill. This isn't Jackie Bradley Jr. This isn't Mookie Betts. But these are cer- this is certainly a guy who doesn't seem like he's going to hurt you and might even be better. His outs above average actually in 2019 and 2018 were better uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, four was one of the numbers he had before. So it suggests that he's probably going to be a decent defender. I think this is a guy the Padres should look into. I really, really do. I don't think he's going to cost that much. Uh, he's got good power upside. Uh, probably more than... He's probably what we wanted from Trent Grisham. I think I tweeted this at one point uh, earlier this year where I was like, obviously, Ellis Garcia is having the season that we wanted Trent Grisham to have. You know what I mean? We wanted him to improve when it came to power, when it came to on base, and he really didn't. Aside from just a... Un- I mean, after he came off the aisle at the beginning of the season, he was hitting like grand slams on home runs left and right. Like, he was amazing. And then he just became a little bit too much. So I actually think, obviously, Ellis Garcia, if the Padres want to go bargain bin hunting is a great ad that they should look into for sure. I like the fact that he's been good defensively before. He's at least, at minimum, not going to be a liability. Maybe I just don't know what defensive run saved means, and I'm just an idiot. Go ahead and make fun of me. Defensive rating was positive on fan graphs this year. I just think that uh, he's definitely a guy to look into because the Padres need some outfield depth. And at worst, if, say, you have another outfielder you want to bring in there, if you want to platoon, that's an option, uh, especially, too, if you want to use him against lefties, like I mentioned with his on-base percentage stuff against lefties that Keith Law wrote and that's it one of my more free, favorite free agent picks along with Conforto heading into this offseason guys um, but now let's move on to another one before we get into a break guys Yuli Gurriel number 26 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season who would have thunk it now he's at 26 Despite all the numbers, he had a 3.7 war in 2021, which is quite good. He's a first baseman, which I know Padres fans would love to have a good first baseman, but he's 38 years old. That's why he's this low. Um, And I think a lot of people didn't realize, first of all, that he's 38 years old. It's kind of insane. He didn't come to the majors until 2016, his age 32 season, but he just had one of his best years at age 37, losing power from 2019, but posting the best walk rate and BABIP of his career so far, Keith Law writes, while continuing his track record of extremely high contact rates. Over the last five seasons, Gurriel has the eighth lowest strikeout rate among qualifying hitters with a higher isolated power than anyone else in the top 10. He was very quietly very good. Look, the Astros... Out of all the WRC Plus leaders, there was like seven guys in that lineup that had a WRC Plus of above like 110, I think it was, which is just insane. And Yuli Gurriel was a big part of that. Sure, he doesn't get all the Brett Limelights. He's not Carlos Correa. He's not even Alex Bregman or, you know, uh, Kyle Tucker or Jordan Alvarez or Jose Altuve, but he's certainly very, very good guys, and he should be brought up as a guy that was a really big contender. He seems to be a guy that gets a lot of big hits as well, which I like. Um, I've seen him done well in the playoffs. I know a lot of people don't like him he did kind of do a little you know kind of racist thing in the world series a few years ago with you darvish on the mound which is what i feel like a lot of people um remember him for but if you just look at the split stats he's been very good for a while now and very trustworthy 319 383 462 slash line this year a little bit down year in 2020, don't get me wrong, but before that, 298, 343, 291, 323. He's a high batting average guy. He's not going to hit for a ton of power, but but 
you know, yeah, the 31 homers that he did hit in 2019, that's probably not coming back, but he's a solid player. If the Padres didn't have that guy at first base, he would be a target, I think. But at 38 years old, it is possible to expect that. Maybe, you know, he's 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 due for some regression. As we all know, I don't care what the signs are. Sometimes age just happens and guys just lose it just like that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, But in that all being said there, uh, he's probably going to resign with the Astros. And they're probably going to have him at first base, maybe platoon, maybe first base or DH for them. And with the DH coming to the National League, though, at least I imagine that maybe some teams will show interest in him. But at 38 years old, I don't think many teams are going to take that uh, option. But before we get into uh, the last three uh, free agents, last 27, 28, 29, 30, last four free agents, my apologies, guys, of the this part three of the free agency breakdown, let me talk to you really quickly about... BetOnline.ag, everybody. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. They are your number one spot, man. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 50% just for signing up. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but they don't just cover basketball, obviously. They don't just cover baseball. They got football. They got boxing. They got the NHL. They got UFC. They got your favorite Vegas casino games. They've got everything you can need. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have available for the 2021 season. And especially remember to use that promo code locked on. Uh, bet online where the game starts. All right, guys, final stretch. Here we go. Number 27 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents of the 2022 season is another guy that you're kind of like, wow, I never expected him to be uh, ranking this low, especially because he had a pretty solid season. That is J.D. Martinez, DH age 34. Uh, you guys are familiar with this dude. One of the fun success stories. He mashed against the Padres a little bit when he was acquired at that trade deadline many moons ago. And he's a beast. He had a down season in um, in 2020. But so did a lot of people. I just mentioned that Yuri Gurriel was bad. Jose Altuve was bad. There was a lot of just blah in 2020. And it shows you that maybe we shouldn't have bought too much into 20. Um, what's it called? It's, it's a 2020. And I think that a lot of teams learned that the hard way. He was awesome for them this year, guys. I mean, seriously. If you just look at his raw numbers this season, just look at his slash line. 286, 349. And he managed to rock in. 55 home runs, just kidding, 28 home runs, sure, it's not as impressive as years before, when he hit 38 with Detroit, when he hit 29 with Arizona, you know what I'm saying, when he hit 22 and then 29, hold on one second, am I reading this wrong, Arizona, Detroit, yeah, he hit 29, I'm, I'm sorry, with Arizona, and then 2017 with Detroit, he hit 16 home runs, uh, just a really great power guy, he was a borderline MVP candidate when he hit 43 bombs, 36 bombs in 2019, and then 2020, he did fall off, but at age 34, he's another guy, man, uh, his war, by the way, was 3.0 in this year. Career war of 26.8. Forgot to mention that. He hits the ball extremely hard. He has really good walk rates. He is a student of the game. He loves study, as many people have pointed out. Um, look, here's what I'll say. He had a good year this year. He did. He was very good. But given his age... It's possible that this is what we're going to get. You should probably not expect what you got from J.D. Martinez, what you got from him in 2018 and 2019. You just should not expect that. But as a plus DH guy, 
he's worth a flyer, man. He's worth a flyer. I don't know exactly what his situation is going to be. You know what I'm saying? He did have some mechanical issues in 2020, and he did amend them. But who's to say that he's amended them permanently, I guess, if you could say uh, say that. And with the National League getting a DH, I imagine a lot of, or at least likely getting a DH, I imagine there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. But for now... I don't know if this is the guy the Pirates should aim for. It all depends. It all depends, right? I don't want him in the outfield. If you could have him at DH, that'd be great. Um, but the problem with that is I would much rather get someone who I feel like could play first. Maybe that way allow Haas to... or. <clears throat> messed up uh allow that guy at first base to move to dh maybe that way you don't get the minus from him defensively uh it's a little bit difficult hey maybe even dh helping is that first baseman of ours maybe being a dh will help him i don't know it's helped other guys before but anyway this is a very interesting free agent and the fact that he's at 27 just shows you like where we are with this free agency class this guy again after 2020 might be a top or maybe not after 2020 but like you, you get what I'm saying. Based on the free agency class last year, he probably would have been in the top 10, especially with this bounce back. Um, really solid player, really great player, and he is legit. Uh, the question is, is this guy going to be a dude who hits like 260 with a 330 on base and hits 25 bombs? That's not bad, but is it necessarily something you want to pay a premium for given the name value? I'm not totally sure, uh, but it will be interesting to see and follow where he goes. A little bit of a target for the Padres, but not necessarily doom or gloom. He is more name value. A little bit a little bit more name value than uh, real value, at least in my opinion, at this stage of his career. Now let's move on to another name that you probably, uh, you know, it's, it's not a good name. He's had a lot of bad mojo lately, I guess, because he's been associated with the New York Mets. It's as simple as that. I'm not talking about character stuff. It is left-handed pitcher Steven Matz, age 31, in 2021. He had a war of 2.0, which is pretty solid. Career war of 9.3. Matt's, as uh, Mr. Keith Law writes, is yet another GWH. In parentheses, good when healthy. Starter on this market with four seasons where he handled what passes for a starter's workload these days, and two of which he was above average, including 2021. His command was much better this past season for Toronto than it was in the truncated 2020 season. His last with the Mets and his most catastrophic, with a huge difference in the consistency of his changeup, which has always been his best pitch. He's another example of a low-cost option that the Padres could get to iron out the back end of the rotation. He did have a little bit more hype when he was first debuting with the Mets. Back in 2016, everyone was like, oh my god, we have DeGrom, we have Syndergaard, we have... Who else did they have? Matt Harvey when he was still a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like There there was a lot more uh, optimism with that Mets rotation, and Steven Matz was just the cherry on top. He didn't exactly pull through, but... Again, he's a solid back end of the starter for the rotation, so he's a guy that I think the Padres should be interested in. If you're worried about depth, if you're worried about your current situation, which I can't attest to, I'm not in the front office and in the clubhouse. I don't really know exactly what the Padres' um, view is on some of their health guys, like a, Cle- uh, a Clevenger, like a Lamette, like an Adrian Mortajon. I don't know exactly the diagnosis on those guys, but if they are needing a back end starter, this guy is absolutely worth giving a shot to, um, and I think he's going to be solid. I think he's going to be solid. And remember, guys. The Pirates basically took a flyer on Zach Davies, and he paid dividends. Who knows if just for a season, this isn't a star. We have plenty of stars that we can hope for. You know, in Blake Snell, in you Darvish. Hey, heck, maybe even Lamette if he comes back, and Mackenzie Gore if he ends up being something, right? What you need is depth. We saw that's what killed the Padres. You just need a guy who's going to be solid so you don't have to rely on has-beens like Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez. So I would be very interested in this guy. He's along that tier of John Gray. He's along that tier of Descalfani's. And he's also along the tier of number 29 on the list, who I feel is is it very, very similar? It is, of the top 50 free agents, right-handed pitcher Alex Cobb, age 34. He had a 2021 war of 1.7, career war of 14.4. 
in my opinion, this is when officially the free agent market starts getting a little bit lower. A little bit lower. This is when we enter the part of, eh, these guys are just okay. We're around that range. But even still, they're very interesting and very valuable pieces that I think could make an impact for the Padres. Alex Cobb is one of them. He signed a four-year deal with the Orioles that was a disaster from the start, even though he was coming off a strong year with the Rays after missing only two years from Tommy John's surgery. He was often hurt, though, in Baltimore, missing nearly all of 2019 with a back injury and then hip surgery. And when he wasn't on the injured list, he had a 5.10 ERA for the O's, lying 41 homers in 217 innings. But, but, they traded him to the Angels last winter for second-base prospect Jemai Jones, and Cobb returned to his pre-Baltimore form with 18 starts with an ERA of 3.76 and an even better FIP. This is the big thing, of 2.76, so he might even be getting a little bit lucky. I mean, after all, he did go to, you know, the Angels. It's not like the Angels are necessarily helping people out with uh, the team behind them, but um, the way I see it is this. He's a solid guy. Maybe a one-year deal for him could work, but I will say... Given the injury history, I'd probably prefer some other options for the Padres, only because, you know, I wouldn't, like, mind it. This isn't going to be, if I heard that the Padres gave this guy a one-year $9 million contract or whatever, like, I'm not going to be stressed about it. Uh, I'll be, like, kind of, all right, hopeful about it. But I will say, with the injury stuff, I mentioned this with the Rodon, I mentioned this with uh, Noah Syndergaard, that with all the injuries the Padres have had in their rotation, you do get a little bit nervous for counting on a guy uh, to be healthy, and especially Alex Cobb, who had, like, Cy Young, unbelievable upside early in his career with the Tampa Bay Rays. He famously got hit in the face with a pitch, which is probably what most people know him from. Um, so he's just had the worst luck when it comes to health. But even despite all that, he's still been an okay pitcher throughout his career. A little bit of a lost career for sure, but solid okay stuff nonetheless. I'm just kind of happy for him that he's just still here. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's a guy that the Padres will probably take a look in, but... The injury stuff does get me a little bit concerned, and are we sure that in 18 starts, we all of a sudden want to be like, all right, great, this guy's going to be awesome. I don't know, but then again, he's a back-end starter, so why not? He's a guy that I think for sure fits the bill of my belief that the Padres need to get backline starters more than a full frontal change and whatnot, because I do believe in most of their rotation bouncing back. And then number 30, the last one we are going to be talking about, another pitcher that belongs into the back-end starter uh, tier of pitchers that I've been talking about so much. It is number 30. Like I said, on Mr. Keith Laws, top 50 free agencies, free agencies, free agents into the 2022 season. It is Alex, not Cobb, but Wood, left-handed pitcher, age 31. In 2021, he had a war of 1.3, career war of 12.7. As Keith Law writes, Wood hasn't pitched enough to qualify the ERA for the ERA title since 2015, missing most of 2016, 2019, and 2020 with shoulder and back injuries on top of the Tommy John surgery he had as an amateur. His high effort delivery probably doesn't help matters, but it's also a source of tremendous deception. Left-handed batters probably think the ball is coming from behind their ears and all hitters have to cope with the polar opposite movements out of his hand from his slider to his sinker and changeup. Here's the thing. Another injury guy. Another injury guy who worries you. But at 31, I'm a little bit more excited about taking the risk on Alex Wood, even if he isn't quite as good as Alex Cobb, because look, once upon a time, I remember when I first started playing fantasy baseball in like 2013, 2014, he was awesome. 
Alex uh, Alex Wood. I think it was either for the Dodgers or the Braves, uh, and he was just absolutely killing it. It was like, oh my god, this is the random pickup of the year. And he hasn't quite been able to return to that. I think a lot of people got more excited about his potential around that time, but he's still a solid starter. I think Alex Wood could be a great, great ad. One of my favorite value ads for the Padres when it comes to starting pitchers, if that's the direction that they want to go in. I just think that he's a solid guy, and like you mentioned, he's kind of killing lefties. You know what I'm saying? So if you just want to have a guy, that's that's one thing I like. If you're going to have a back-end starter, make him a specialist. Make him a guy that you know you can throw out against certain lineups that you think that they're going to um, take advantage of you. We got plenty. We have southpaws in the rotation already, but still, I think that this guy could be really solid, and especially with his numbers against lefties. This is the type of thing you try and get for your backline star. You try and get a guy who's really good against certain players, and otherwise is just kind of whatever. You know what I'm saying? He's help here to help you get through the season. This is not Robbie Ray who's going to carry the rotation. He's just a solid starter, and I think there might be some upside here. I really do at just 31 years old. This is one of my favorite value adds for the Padres at the starting pitching rotation uh, sort of set of things, I should say, uh, heading into this next season. But again, it all depends on how the Padres view their rotation going forward and who's not going to be in it and who's going to be in it. But yeah, guys, that is it for part three of my free agency breakdown heading into this 2021 uh, offseason, 2022 season. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to be writing a little bit more for Just Baseball soon. going to be writing about Javi Baez, actually, and how I feel about him and how he's a very fascinating free agent. I actually think that Keith Law had him a little bit ranked too high uh, on his little top 50 list, but going to be writing about him and going to be doing a big mega offseason preview talking about the Padres, where I will probably give my official picks for who I think the Padres should go after. Um, you know, I've already kind of alluded to them on here, but, you know. Uh, I think to have it in writing makes it feel more official. I have to get some takes out there, man. I haven't had a take in a while. My last take that hit was Trent Grisham back in 2020. You know what I mean? I was like, this guy's going to be great. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And he was great, even if he was disappointing this year. But anyway, guys, that's about it for today's podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Pirates your hashtag first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Really good stuff over there. Those guys do not mess when it comes to gambling, even if I am not a gambler myself. Um, in terms of the future of this podcast, like I said, going to be breaking down the rest of this top 50 from Keith Law. Sure, a lot of the super exciting names are out of the way, but nonetheless, still some guys that the Padres should be interested in. Still some guys that a lot of teams should be interested in, if we're perfectly honest. And we haven't even gotten into, like, the Justin Verlander types. I don't know. I'm hearing some rumors that maybe he might be going to Boston, though. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not hearing that. I am hearing some rumors that he's a fit for them, though. That That is certainly what I'm hearing. Uh, so, guys, stay tuned for that. And also, uh, Arm Layton of Lockdown Marlins and Lockdown LB uh, Prospects, he's currently in the middle of writing the top 10 um, farm system breakdown for the Padres. Going to have him on the podcast at some point. Maybe next week. It depends on when he finishes it because he's got a lot of work to do. But in terms of the non-free agency breakdown stuff, that's something you guys can look forward to. And random crossovers other Lockdown hosts. And with that, all being said, that about does it for today's a little bit longer episode of the Lockdown Padres podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Follow the Twitter page for the show or myself at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Send me some five-star reviews with a question on the Apple Podcasts app. And until next time. Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Yeah.